Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Guys, it is finally here. It is time for us to, um, uh, what's the word, uh, get record, you know, the the episode of uh, that we're reviewing today, which is yeah. Ahsoka Part 3, Time to Fly. I was going to say, there happens to be an Ario Speedwagon song that is called Time to Fly, or Time for Me to Fly, but, you know, that's for us old people out there who understand that band. Anyway. <laughs> Everyone's what, like, what's, what? what's the news? No. I feel like we've got a couple of things we should discuss. Or we do. And we I have to say, get too far. it's so nice to be recording, you know, regularly again, talking about Star Wars. It's it's great. I love it. It's 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 always fun to have Star Wars on the air. And, you know, it, it, the premiere was pretty popular. Um, Disney announced last week that the Ahsoka premiere drew 14 million views per Disney. Now, this came uh right after and they said it was like the top thing on disney plus which is not a surprise because i think ahsoka is the biggest thing on disney plus right now and really the only major release uh so not surprised it's number one but hey it's great that ahsoka is doing so well 14 million views i think it's the first time disney's ever released viewership numbers for a show um, yeah it is interesting yeah and it came right on the heels of another report that said that i think uh it was uh, it was about had about half the viewership of kenobi but was about on par with Andor, which honestly wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. But it seemed like Disney was trying to refute the the the, the report a little bit without directly uh, commenting on it. I think either way, it, it makes sense, right? Kenobi has Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen back, and it was a big thing, you know, a film, character from the films back in you know television form. Not surprised. Andor is a bit of an unknown, but grew over time. I suspect Ahsoka might, even though she's a beloved character, for the average person, she may, they may not know about her. So I expect it'll it'll grow. But fourteen million is is pretty dang good. And that, yep. The the that calculation at first I was like, oh, is that just the the is it like combined across both episodes? No, that's just like, you know, I think it's people who watched both episodes. I believe basically the way they calculate it is they take the is either the only the first episode or both, but that's still good enough, right? They're not double counting, they're not double dipping, and they take. Uh, they, they use the Netflix model where they take the total minutes spent across all viewers. You know, if you only watch the first five minutes or if someone watched uh, the whole thing and they divide that by the runtime of the episode. And so that gives you, it's not just people who hit play and stop. That's like 14 million people who watch the entire thing. So that's pretty good. That's really good. Uh, so yeah. congrats to, to Lucasfilm and, and Dave Filoni on that. Uh, I don't know if you guys yeah. have any, 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 thoughts, but that's, it, it's exciting. Seems see. good is I yes. think the, the appropriate commentary. <laughs> yes. And as long as the audience keeps growing works for me. Yeah. Now again, that was the same thing with Andor, right? It launched a lot of people didn't really know about it, but over time it grew and grew and grew. And there was a lot of positive buzz about it. And, and I hope the same is true for Ahsoka. Um, we're also getting the Ahsoka soundtrack for parts one through four on September 15th, which is about two weeks away. 
as you're listening to this. Uh, a little actually less than that, right? Uh, what 12 days or so. Um, and nice. after a lot of requests, this is a first for Disney Plus again, uh, just like you know, releasing the viewership numbers. In a first, they're actually going to release the Mandalorian seasons one and two on 4K Ultra HD and Blu ray this. December. So you'll be able to get the full first and second seasons of Mandalorian in physical format with some new special features. Um, what do you guys think of this? Are, are, are you guys, are you guys going to pick it up? I know it's available to stream anytime on Disney plus, but this is the first time people who don't subscribe to Disney plus can, can watch these shows. It, it is pretty cool. I probably won't pick up. I've kind of stopped collecting Blu-rays and DVDs and things like that a couple of years back, but I'm glad for the, what is it, purposes of preservation that they exist and that mm-hmm. folks will be able to get them. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I I do not plan on picking them up. I think what's going to be fascinating is the numbers that are going to come out for the people who bought the DVDs or, I'm sorry, the Blu-rays or HD, UHD, and if it's going to be first-time people buying them or is it going to be people who are going to keep them in perpetuity because at some point we've already seen disney is saying that they're pulling stuff off of disney plus mm-hmm. these may stay on for a long for a while we don't know but at some point they could come off so it's going to be fascinating to see who's going to pick it up and why yeah as a star wars yeah. fan i i hope they don't pull star wars content it's a risk right we've seen it happen to mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like it hasn't happened to anything massive and, and like hugely popular like star wars or marvel yet um but you never know it could happen, right? Uh, and so it's nice to have an option for uh, physical media. And you know, I guess if you really want the absolute best possible experience, right? You can, you can. But I think typically, if I want to watch something, I'll just stream it on, you know, Disney Plus or or whatnot. I'll I do like to collect them just just to have them, you know. Uh, and sometimes I think Star Wars is the only thing I'll buy in physical form, like the Star Wars movies, and. Um, that's the only thing I still buy in physical form. Everything else is digital, but that's just me. I don't know. They're, mm. they're, they're a bit pricey. Uh, I think they're like, depending on where you get it, 45 to $55 a season. But uh, it's, got, it's got a nice steel <laughs> book. It's got a nice steel book. It's going to have some special features that we've never seen before. Um, they, and some beautiful art. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm planning on picking them up just to, just to have them in my collection, but you have a little yeah, bit of time to decide uh, how they are. I'll let you know. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah December December twelfth is when they release, and they're up for pre order now. So, Tom, I think it's time to get into the reason why we're here. Ahsoka. Yeah, we are going to be reviewing today Ahsoka Part Three episode. Well, episode Part Three, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it is titled. Time to Fly. This is directed by Steph Green, written by Dave Filoni. In this episode, Hera tangles with New Republic politics while Ahsoka and Sabine Wren voyage to a distant planet. Mm. So, yes. Let's 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 talk about let's talk about Sabine's training. Yes. I I yeah. liked it. I liked it an awful lot. Um we finally get an explanation of the uh technique that Obi-Wan I'm sorry. Yeah, Obi-Wan used with Luke Skywalker back on the Millennium Falcon with the blast shield down. Was really hoping to hear with the blast shield down. I can't even see how am I supposed to fight? Oh. Was kind of expecting that. Yeah. But we we'll finally get a that. name for that <laughs> technique. 
which is fascinating. But what do you guys think of this whole training thing with Sabine and, and the force and all that? I also I actually liked the sequence a lot. I thought it was um I don't know, I don't say slowly paced, but it's much more deliberate, I think, than the previous two episodes were in some ways. Or agreed. I, I thought I thought they were a little slow too, but mm -hmm. the first episode, not the second episode. I don't know. I like the training sequence. Um, I thought it was neat to see kind of Hu Yang with the like hollow kind of targets and things mm -hmm. and grading and all those different pieces just felt um i'm gonna say right to me mm. like they, they just seemed like the the right ways for you know it to work in all those pieces i enjoyed it yeah i'll, mm -hmm. I'll say overall i enjoyed the sequence it, it like you guys said it's cool to see sabine starting to train how she doesn't we we will we will talk more about the force in, in just a minute yes yeah. uh but it's cool to see how she's she's really struggling and, and trying to succeed but she's not uh, she's definitely not, it's not, it doesn't come naturally to her. Right. Mm -hmm. And, yep. uh, and she ultimately kind of fails at all of her attempts in this episode, which I, I, I liked seeing that, right. It's, it's a, it's a mm -hmm. longer term growth. It's not just like, Oh, look, I tried and, and I'm done and everything's working perfectly. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I liked a lot of that stuff. And, and as you said, it's cool to see like the training, um, uh, like the, I don't know what to call it, like the, holographic blades right yeah. that Hu yeah, Yang the, oh, yeah, yeah. holds you know onto and stuff it's cool i think the only thing i didn't like is that it, so and this is a minor critique but star wars mm. is is often like george lucas was very much inspired by akira Kurs kurosawa and um and so star wars takes a lot of inspiration from that as well as like westerns and, and, and other stuff um but this sequence almost felt too much in that direction where like the lightsaber, the training blades, it's cool. Like they're wooden, right? Okay. I like mm -hmm. it, but they are shaped exactly like a katana, you know, with like yep. a curved tip and everything else. And a lightsaber does not have that. And so it, it, it felt almost not star Wars enough, I guess, mm -hmm. from that standpoint. Um, Interesting. I don't know. It, it seemed like it was copying it a little uh, too strongly. Well, it, it all again, like I said, a minor piece of feedback, you know, on it. But can can I jump in here yeah, really yeah. quick, Stephen? It it almost feels like remember when we were watching uh, the first episode from Visions, and you had that. To me, it had that kind of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, the one in which they wrote the book, the, the book from right Ronan, right Ronan. So I I didn't have that much of a problem with it. But also there was a thing of when you saw it in Rebels and she was with a training blade, that training blade from Rebels really didn't match this kind of training blade, which William, I, I get. It yeah. did really look like it was something out of a Kurosawa type samurai yeah. feel to it. I, I, yeah, I guess ultimately, uh, and it's not a big deal. It just felt more, no. a little a little bit more Kurosawa than Star Wars. Mm -hmm. and whereas Star right. Wars was inspired by Kurosawa. I don't know, Stephen, you, you started to say something. I was going to say, I... I didn't mind it as much. I do think it also fit pretty closely with what we saw out of the Ahsoka episode in Mandalorian season two, which was also very kind of Kurosawa, mm -hmm. you know, lone samurai kind of inspired. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That being said, I will say the one thing I wasn't the biggest fan of is we, you know, we get the Sabine gets, you know, the full blast helmet with shield, um, which I, I liked the sequence of, you know, Ahsoka moving around and trying to get a Sabine to reach out and sense where she was. Mm -hmm. I was not a big fan of Sabine, like word for word quoting, like, oh, a blast shield. I can't see. How am I supposed yeah. to fight? Like, it was. 
I, I, I almost. I, oh no, I. Yeah, I'm with you. One Steven. step too far. I, I agree. I agree. As a, I, as a training moment, perfect. Quoting the actual line from Luke, maybe a little too much. Yeah. It was. It was close enough. It kind of didn't. I guess. I'm not going to groan about it. There was a part of me that almost wanted to hear the full line. Oh, I totally I rolled. <laughs> groaned. You know, I, she she got close enough. Okay. Oh, I, I think but it went over, it, over over the line, but that's that's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, is, like, it's totally fine. You you know, you'd like it, Tom. Um, yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. these are super minor things, right? I, I like it when Star Wars is inspired by, but not directly copying. Yeah. And, and right. And. This it happened a little bit later too in the space fire. This this episode is almost like the middle. I don't really like the first, like the the, the second quarter of a New Hope. That's really what this episode felt like. Yeah, um, which is not necessarily a problem. I love a New Hope, but and, and they did enough new things that it, didn't feel exactly. But that one moment where mm-hmm. they quote it, and then like later with the turbo, you know, lasers, like that's where it was a little. Yeah. No, it's a that's a very very good description. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, so but the the thing I think that fans will be discussing the most though in this episode, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is the nature of the force. So, I want to get your thoughts on this, and I have I I think I have a I have opinions. I I think I've actually <laughs> fall a little bit on both sides, but we'll see. Okay. Okay, so why don't why are don't they you redefining how the force works? How how did you feel about about the the training and the force? I, uh, why uh, would I'm gonna start with a uh, I'm gonna put you on the defensive, William? Why would you think they're redefining how the force works? <laughs> oh, that's that's that is that is that is a good question. That's Go a good ahead. question. Okay, so uh, and I think. I don't know if they would compl- I, would, I, I was I was being a little bit uh, hyperbolic there. I think uh, intentionally so, so to spark a conversation. Um, but uh, in in the original trilogy, I think there was a sense when we didn't know as much about the forest that anyone could have the forest. You just needed to train, right? Mm-hmm. A- anyone could be a Jedi. And then came along the prequels and midichlorians. And, and I'm a prequels kid. I actually don't mind midichlorians at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it it went more the opposite direction of well no you have to be born with this special ability and the more you're of it you're born with the better you'll be but you you can never be a Jedi if you don't have the Force. Mm-hmm. I I see this as trying to find a middle ground between the two perspectives where to me it sounds like. You, every, I mean, we all know, right? Obi Wan says in New Hope, ev- the Force is in everyone, right? Uh, it surrounds mm-hmm. us and penetrates us and binds the galaxy together. But previously, we always thought, oh, if you don't have the Force, like, could Han Solo use the Force? What would your answer to that be, right? I think previously we all would have said, no way. Yeah, I'd, I'd say no. And I feel like this episode is actually saying, well, he actually could, right? Potentially, if he well, if he worked at it. If he tried, now he might have a more uphill battle, right? And I, I love how they kept reinforcing in this episode that Sabine is the worst Padawan Hu Yang's, Hu Yang's ever seen, right? She has mm-hmm. little to yep. no force ability. Mm-hmm. I would assume that in te- more technical terms means she has, I don't know, very few midichlorians, if any. And so she has no natural ability. Sure. 
But it certainly seems like they're going down the path of having her, someone with no force ability currently, and very few midichlorians, eventually being able to grow into the force. Well, look. So let me let me start. Go, well, you go so for it. The reason I was kind of pushing away is I actually don't think any of this is new. I, I agree um, with you. I agree with you. I'm just. I, <laughs> if, oh, I wish. So I would go back to to two pieces of old legends. One is I believe the Black Fleet trilogy, and I I think it's that like it's written. I forget when Black Fleet trilogy came out. Like it, there's a couple different stories happening throughout it. The, the particular arc I'm remembering is Luke searching for information about his mother. And this is, I think, before we might have even known mm-hmm. that Padme was his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was. Because, yeah. like, I seem to recall that there's a bunch of stuff in there that, like, does not hold up in any way whatsoever. <laughs> um, so but, everything you're going to say is wrong, Stephen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. But he goes through and he, he ends up uh, discovering a bunch of different cultures that all interact with the Force in different ways. Mm-hmm. Similar kind of pre-Night Sister, but similar. They're like, oh, they, these are all people that are interacting with the Force in a way that is different than the Jedi do. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is from, I, be- I believe it's the Thrawn duology with uh, George Kardas, or however his name is pronounced. Uh, who was uh, kind George of, Kodos. yeah, Kobath. Yeah, the, the predecessor to Talon Card for this kind of smuggle organization. And similar, he found monks who helped him like knit his body back together and through study and patience and devotion, he also accessed abilities that he had previously not had access to or whatever. To me, that is what we're seeing here. It's not that Sabine is strong in the force is going to be like weapons, you know, uh, objects around throughout. I would be shocked if we see something like that. What mm-hmm. I do think we're hearing is that same feeling of everyone can be connected to the force and no, you may not be a Jedi. And I think the conversation between Hu Yang and Ahsoka about what it means to be a Jedi is critical here. Mm-hmm. Sabine would never have been a Jedi. Probably wouldn't be in Luke's order either. But I think, and this is what I think the crux of the, uh, their relationship is, is you can be a Jedi without being strong in the Force. Like, hmm. the, uh, could there be Jedi who are the diplomats, the janitors, like I, I just picked two, like very <laughs> yeah. different things, but well, to there, me, that's what I think this episode was kind of speaking to is there is more to being a Jedi than just, you know, using a lightsaber and throwing objects around the room. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where what Ahsoka has recognized that being a Jedi and training in the ways of the force is a mindset, not an organization. Mm-hmm. Well, you can, You can also look at it from this possible point of view. The Jedi Order, when they know kids are Force-sensitive, they always take them as younglings and then basically move them forward, okay? Within the Thrawn trilogy, or the Thrawn books, they have, uh, it was, I think, the females of the species, they had that that seeing ability that technically was, in their consideration, the Force. Mm -hmm. And after a certain point of view, they grow out of it, okay? Maybe in this case, what what is trying to be established is if you grab a child early enough and bring them up through the force, you're taking the force abilities that they have and making it stronger. But over time, like within the chess society, get to a certain age, they lose that ability. Hmm. It's not so much the force is gone. It just basically may go dormant. It may do this. It may do that. We don't know that much yet about that part of the, the chess so far. If it goes even further than that, if Timothy Zahn's going to write any more books about it. Right. 
maybe in this case, what they're looking at is they're trying to say that almost when like it comes to Sabine, right? Pardon? You're saying like when as they grow older, it almost atrophies and, and just your yeah, 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 yeah. So, so when it comes to Sabine, maybe let's theoretically state she was never that they never found her when she was young to become a youngling to become a Jedi. So she got to a certain point where the Force ability was never recognized or pushed aside, and it basically went dormant for a while. But it's still there. And then now Ahsoka is taking it upon herself to basically not make her a full Jedi, but to basically tap into that Force ability that she has and and train her that way to at least try and tap into what's left or what she can of it, but not bring her into being a full Jedi. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think I kind of see almost the way I interpret it. Maybe I'm wrong here. It's like a yes, like a both, both and where it's, you know, maybe it does atrophy at some point. Right. But, you know, some mm-hmm. some kids are born with and some some people have, have a more stronger natural affinity for the force. And those are the, the younglings that the Jedi go after and they, they want to recruit uh, and they would never go recruit someone who has no natural affinity for the force like Sabine because or Han or whomever, because why? Right. It, it, they're mm-hmm. it's, they have a much harder uphill battle and there's a lot more people out there that be a lot better suited. Right. But the way I take this here is that with enough training and focus, anyone could grow to use the force. Now, is it, mm-hmm. are you going to be like a 10 out of 10 on the you know power scale? Probably not. <laughs> Right. You, maybe you're like yep. your maximum is like a one out of ten. Uh, right. But you can, in theory, grow to use it on some level. And maybe I don't know if you had a hundred years, you could become incredibly powerful. But it's not a, you know, it's it's not impossible if you don't if you're not mm-hmm. born with it. But it's also not easy. And I right. think that's where they're taking it with Sabine. It's like okay, yeah. To to your point, we're gonna train you as a as a Jedi because it's a it's a it's a more of a philosophy. It's a it's a um, it's a mind you know, set right and how you act. It's not oh if you can't move an object with your mind, you're out. Mm-hmm. And so I, I it's it's a really interesting take that we've never seen before in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so I I love that they're diving into this right. and they're looking at this nuance. But there, there's also something that we did see is remember General Grievous was trained in lightsaber technique, basically lightsaber training. He never had the Force. But he knew how to wield a lightsaber, right? Yeah, lightsaber. Just like anyone can duel, right? right? Anyone can right. do du- be a can duel with a sword, but if you have the and, force, you may know how to block it better, or right. You know, yeah. And that's and to a to a certain extent, a certain extent, that's kind of how I see the training that's going on with Sabine right now, right? But okay. but I think she is unlike Grievous. I think she's trying to use the force a little and, bit, and that part I agree with you as well. Yeah. And then I also just remembered this. You guys remember outbound flight. When they mm-hmm. put all the Jedis that were on the ship, they brought in younglings. And when they brought the younglings onto the ship, they kind of separated out the kids that were strong with the Force. And then technically they had, quote, unquote, backups. And I'm try- I cannot remember there's a brother, sister, brother, brother, sister, sister mm-hmm. thing that happened in the thing. But there was one of them that had the stronger ability with the Force, one of them that kind of had the Force, but really wasn't enough to, to train. So I see that going on here as well. And Stephen, what are your thoughts? No, I, I'm on the same page. I, I don't know that I would say it's, uh, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't call it new necessarily, but I don't have any issue with what we saw here. Um, 
I I will say I hope we don't see Sabine, you know, throwing the cup around by the end of the season. Okay. Uh, I do feel like that would undermine things a little bit, but I am otherwise supportive, and I, I thought the sequence worked really well. So I was I was just going to ask that very question. Mm-hmm. So, okay, how how much do you think Ahsoka or sorry Ahsoka Sabine should or will grow in the Force throughout the season? My my hope would be that it is very minimal personally i i will side with steven but i also saw something online that actually makes perfect sense every kid at a certain point sat there with a cup sitting in front of them reached out their hand and knew there was no way they were going to move that cup because they didn't have the force but they tried anyway and you two have to admit you did the exact same thing as a kid of course sure of course yeah And, and so i hope like you both that maybe by the end of the season, the cup just starts to shake and move, right? Yep. And 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 yeah, that's it, true. right? And I think even in you know years down the road in universe, right? When a, Sabine is much older, I think it'd be really interesting to see her. Maybe maybe she can use the force a little bit, right? But she's not she's not the most powerful. Maybe she can. She's trained. She's worked at it. It's been hard work perseverance perseverance but she figured out how to connect with it on maybe like a one out of ten or two out of ten level right she's never going to be like a luke or an anakin Mm -hmm. or even an ahsoka but with hard work and perseverance she could get some progress i think if she if she's like thrown around the force by the end of the season or even like a future thing you know set not too far in the future i'd be a little disappointed as as much as i love Mm -hmm. Sabine, right i but I, I I find this whole thing so fascinating, and you're right. I, I I intentionally set it up as kind of a more controversial topic, and and I have seen actually a lot of debate within the community. Like, oh my gosh, this is, we've never seen this before. This this is this is how could they? Right? They're completely rewriting things. I actually think it's been in the universe for a long time, but as always, Dave Filoni is doing a phenomenal job of of showing us the nuance of Star mm-hmm. Wars. Yeah, I think that's what we're yeah. seeing here. It's not new. It's old. And it's something that even George Lucas, I believe, has talked about in the past. But it's nuanced. And I love that. I love that they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, totally agree with it. Speaking of things I loved, the best, the greatest cameo of the episode, Senator Hamato Ziano. Okay, we've got the greatest cameo. We'll come back to that. But (laughs) I did not catch that at all. (laughs) Yes, Nelson Lee plays the father of Kazuto Ziono, the star of Star Wars Resistance, uh, in live action form in this episode, which is cool to see. I liked it. It's Mm -hmm. a nice little background thing. They definitely name dropped him multiple times. Senator Ziono, Senator Ziono, just to try to make sure we all knew, no, that's Kaz's dad. Um, before we get to the, 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 the true greatest cameo later, um, what did you guys think of seeing Hamato, Tom? I, I, I think at this point we're trying to figure out what side is he on? Because if you, when you read the room, which you're sitting there watching what's going on within that room with Mon Mothma there as well, you're like, who's, whose side are they actually on? 
You had one senator say, well, we've got imperials all throughout the New Republic and they've all taken the pledge. Oh my God, it's only like a small cell or this, that, or the other thing. And and Hamad is almost like in agreement with that, but you're you're like, what side is he on and how you want to figure out how does that play into the actual show of resistance now? So uh, it was fascinating to see him up there on screen. Yeah, I mean, I'll say, so you asked how I feel about it. I didn't know until two minutes ago, William. <laughs> so um, that makes me want to go back and kind of watch it again and re-understand it. I spent most of that scene kind of infuriated. Um, just uh, I was waiting. I was waiting. Go ahead. <laughs> <sighs> it's like, I don't know. The... Uh, what is it? Naivete of the various senators we saw on display there. Not Mon Mothma, certainly, who I think is at least potentially more uh, open to kind of Hera's request. But I just like was spent the entire scene banging my head on a table because it's. I mean, you I've gotten on the soapbox multiple times already on like the New Republic being completely incompetent, and this was just like a whole new level of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, just to continue my soapbox a little bit, I'm reminded of like, I actually really enjoyed a lot of the political infighting of the New Republic era in the Legends timeline. I think the thing I appreciated more though is that New Republic uh, bickering came out of all these very species and groups that had been um, oppressed by the empire and were trying to reassert independence um, you know, and this kind of squabbling and bickering. Um, here, it's much less that. Like, none of these people feel like they have, like, other, uh, noble goals in mind. They all just kind of feel slimy and like, yeah, we don't believe any of this is real. Uh, there's much more important things we should do. Like, we should be going to that parade or, like, whatever. Like, it just, I would have, I wish the New Republic was better. That's all it comes down to. Like, and this this sequence was just horrific to behold mm -hmm. from that perspective. I, I think for me, the best line was when Harris sat there and just confronted uh, Ziono personally and said, what did you do during the war? What did you do <laughs> yeah. during the war? And there was like dead silence. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, as you said, Stephen, this just continues to show how the new Republic is unfortunately incompetent, right? It, it's, mm -hmm. it's great to like, see of growth like to a gross degree like it's yes. massive and, 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 the, i would say mon mothma is somewhat of an extension ex exception to that i think i certainly. get the sense and it's cool to see her genevieve o'reilly back as mon mothma as chancellor this time first time we see her as seen her as the chancellor um i i love that but yes i think everyone else is they don't believe the threat of thrawn they don't believe that Hera needs to go into this other galaxy and they think she's just on a personal vendetta to save Ezra. And it, it's, I think it's kind of a necessary, I think they're, they can't get out of it. Right. Uh, from a writing standpoint, they have to do that because that is what's written in the sequel trilogy. And so they kind of have I, to show, I, I suspect, I, or they feel like I they must. disagree with that. Okay. I don't. So I think what the sequel trilogy sets up is that the first order grew without the New Republic being aware. There are two ways to write that in my mind. One is, and this is some of what we see in the Mandalorian, but one is that the first order is does an incredible, like they're a, a worthy adversary, 
and they are able to build power without you know anyone realizing. This is the Palpatine plan, basically. The mm -hmm. I will come to power with mach machinations that are so deep and so intricate that no one could uncover them. If you do that, the New Republic can be competent but still fail yeah. because they were bested by a superior opponent. Instead, what we get is they literally have proof that an ex-imperial was like co-opting New Republic resources in shipyard, like in a shipyard, in their main like location. And their response is, look, nah, there's nothing to worry about here. Like it's a one-off. Just because it happened once doesn't mean it would ever happen again. Like it, it is a, a willful level of ignorance. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is the much weaker way, I think, to build that story. I agree. I, I sorry. I wish yeah. it had gone, but yes, I think especially with like aftermath, the aftermath books and stuff. I feel like they, if they wanted to, it. I don't know. I still think there are ways they could. I I agree with what you're saying, but yeah, yeah. I I don't like what I'm saying. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair. The other thing that kind of bothers me is you're seeing these five senators, and you're only seeing one alien that's part of the senator. I know Stephen, you just brought up when you go back to the you know expanded universe. It was like all the aliens kind of had, you know, some kind of saying what's going on because they were the ones that when you look at the Empire were mostly repressed by the Empire. And now take a look at what the New Republic's doing. There's I only like one alien on the council. I suspect it's a budget budget issue just from a yeah. production I know standpoint. I know it's a budget and, issue. And I'm sure still... there's an in-universe like it's this is the particular the military council or whatever and so on. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I would I would hope that's the case. But and, and I get the budgetary issue thing, but but still, I mean, you are looking at, in a way, a repeat of the Empire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it's frustrating. Um, much more minor thing. I'll also say that I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest fan of Hera in this sequence. Um, it was... Uh, I feel like she was written and acted as if she was Hera from Rebels, who is the leader of a small cell. I did not get the, I'm a general of the New Republic military, like we saw in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I see what you're saying. But I just didn't really get that sense through this, you know, sequence, I guess. She comes across a little bit, uh, like she's unfamiliar with how to like deal with and convince these senators when, again, like in the previous episode, she is, kind of the boss you know she's can call in investigations she there's no uh swaying her but obviously that that was not the case here and mm -hmm. I, I would have liked to have seen a little more of that from her and these senators don't seem to trust her at all really you know they don't they just completely dismiss all of her warnings and and concerns i i get the sense that mon mothma wants to help her but everyone she's out yep she's mm -hmm. you know outvoted by the rest of the the senate committee yeah, there there is definitely a version of or a sequence or a scene. I don't know if it's in this show or another, but like Mon Mothma realizing that the New Republic she's tried to build is completely non-functional. Like that that scene exists somewhere and I would love mm -hmm. to see it. Yeah. Uh, maybe a conversation at some point between like Mon Mothma and Leia would would fit very well. I did I did really love how uh Hera and the first officer uh vic hawkins like they just take a deep breath and almost roll their eyes before they walk into the room when they realize that senator ziono's on the call <laughs> i, I yep, love yep. that little detail yeah, that was it's fun so good because <laughs> he's kind of a jerk and incompetent just like he is in in resistance where you know he doesn't ever listen to his son and yeah it's it's 
I, I like at least they're acknowledging, oh my gosh, these people are incompetent. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so Hera asked for permission to join the task, you know, join Ahsoka and Sabine on their mission and, and bring along a task force, and she's denied. And so she sends a message to them and says, hey, sorry, I'm not coming. Is this the last you think we'll see of Hera in this series? I, no. I think it might be. Really? Yeah, I... I think we are very like we know Thrawn's in the show, which means mm-hmm. we have to go to the other galaxy. Ahsoka and Sabine, I think, will make the trip, and Hu Yang, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think we might be done with Hera now. We are out of the New Republic section of the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Well, you could you could make an argument that Hera can also go off on her own. She is, you know, very high up in the military, and she could just all of a sudden one day disappear for a while. I could see potentially her showing up in like the finale, maybe mm-hmm. as they, you know, they they regroup. But I think you're right, Stephen. I think it. As much as I love seeing Hera in here, I suspect that maybe, maybe this is the last we'll see of her because I I really hope that the rest of the series, and the, or the season, you know, it's a, it's a limited mm-hmm. series, so in theory, it's just one season. I really hope the rest of the story happens in another galaxy that we don't we don't dilly dally too much longer. And mm-hmm. we go straight to the other galaxy where we can start exploring and seeing new exciting areas. I think that's the the most intriguing part of this uh, this show. And so, yeah, I think if unless she breaks the you know, rules and, and comes along, I, this might be the last we see here of her. Especially since they uh, they they gave us a little cameo, a little appearance from a character that honestly I didn't think we'd see until maybe later in the season, which maybe is a reason why they, they introduced him now, right? If, if this is the last we see of Hera, but Jason Sindula, we got to see her son, Jason. How great was that? Played by Evan Witten. What was your reaction when Jason appeared on screen? I mean, it's pretty cool to say the least. I, like, I thought, it was, go ahead. No, I just, I really enjoyed it. You know, the nice little reminder of Kanan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really appreciated the the comment that Hera has earlier about, oh, he's probably running around somewhere on the ship. You never mm-hmm. know, because you can <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely picture exactly that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the fact that he asks I, to be trained as a Jedi. Oh, it's great. It's great. I, I think they, I'm going to take the stance. I think they lingered on it just a little too long. A little bit of a fan service. I liked it, though. I I did appreciate seeing the character, you yeah. know, and, and it was also appreciative to sit there. Well, what, not to appreciate, but to see the look on, you know, Hera's face when it's just like, I want to train to be a Jedi. And you can tell the, the loss was there, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was cool. If we see him again, who knows? So here's something interesting. He, he was not listed. If you look at the credits, he was not in the guest starring list at the end or the, the, you know, the list of all the characters, all the, the actors at the very end of the episode, like with Ziono and even uh, actually was, was Mon Mothma. I think maybe she was, no, she was credited. Oh, I can't remember. She might have been, she was either credited right next to Jason or no, I think, she, I think she was, but anyway, uh, doesn't really matter. Jason Sandola was credited, you know, at the end of the credits, right? You, you see all the main cast show up yep. with just their names. 
And then way later in the credits, you get a list of, okay, here's everyone else in this episode in order of appearance. Jason was in the main list of the main cast at the beginning of the episode. Now, that could mean nothing, but it's interesting that he is so prominent um, in the in in the credits. It's not just like, oh, here, he's a little cameo. There's Jason. Do you guys think that means anything? I would guess you're reading too much into it. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to agree with that, William. I think you are reading, reading way it, it, it too It might much be. In. I saw an interesting theory. I don't remember who this was from, so I apologize. But someone oh, was man. positing that could he be a member of the skeleton crew, which takes place around the same time in that new series, Younger Kids, um, with you know the the show with Jude it's, Law. Like, could it? Is it possible he's part of the skeleton crew, and so he's actually going to play a much bigger role, and he's setting up this next show? I don't know. It's an interesting. I, it's an I, interesting I, thing. I mean, I I wouldn't rule uh, it out. I put it at like. 15%. <laughs> like, I don't think that's very likely, but it's possible. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying it's a flip of the coin. He's either in it or he's not. I, I think that's the only way to explain it. We'll see. It, it's an yeah. interesting theory, but, uh, okay. So let's, let's talk about the last third of the episode with the sp- the, the dogfight and the whole sequence in space. Steven, this is your bread and butter. I know you love this stuff. <sighs> you, how would I mean, take us into this? Yeah. So Ahsoka, Sabine, Hu Yang, they arrive in the Denob system, which is where the Eye of Scion, the giant hyperspace ring, is. Um, they drop out early because they want to try and sneak their way in. Although they, I assume they just get unlucky because, uh, Shin and Marok and a couple other fighters like are on top of them almost immediately, which I thought was kind of funny. I'm just going to assume it was bad luck because um, they were way out there. And yeah, what proceeds is the a very like a new hope reminiscent, like I said earlier, William kind of dogfight where they're trying to get close enough to the eye of Scion for Hu Yang to scan it, which apparently means like point blank range for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, while, you know, Sabine mans the turrets you and they to be, fly their way in. You have to be at 500 meters or less in order to scan. <laughs> sure. Sorry. Sorry. I, That's so, a joke for all you Starfield players. Uh, it will, we'll... <laughs> I, haven't gotten, I have not gotten far enough for that yet. Okay. <laughs> I haven't played it yet, so I, um, I have no idea where it came from. So here's the thing. Uh, very broadly, I was actually really disappointed with the sequence. I was oh, really? ecstatic okay. when it started. Um, there were some pieces in there I really enjoyed. Like, I love the new fighter design that Shin and Marek are using, kind of very World War II, like, person strapped into a metal tube kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that we actually got to see shields at play, where, like, they hit, you know, uh, what is actually the name of Ahsoka's ship? I don't know. Is it just called the, like... It's a T-6, her- but... Okay. Yeah. I don't think there's so a, I don't think there's an official they hit, name. They hit a ship. ship repeatedly, and we see like you know a little shield kind of like they don't take damage. The problem, uh, so this is a very like you said, it's like a third of the episode. It's a very protracted sequence. There are absolutely zero stakes throughout the entire sequence. Um, think back to A New Hope when they're escaping the Death Star and they're fighting, and the Tie Fighters shoot into the Millennium Falcon, and we get a shot of steam exploding mm-hmm. out, and knocking C three PO, or sparks and lights flickering. 
every shot we see the, the Ahsoka ship take, there is zero reaction inside. Mm-hmm. There's there's a point where at one point somebody's like, oh, our shields are down to 10%. Um, fine. There's no change inside the ship. And so I started out really excited because it's a dogfight. This is one of my favorite things out of Star Wars. But it ends up being like 10, 15 minutes of small fighters zooming around, shooting up Ahsoka ship, cut to Ahsoka and Sabine inside as they look around. No, there's, they're not concerned. Nothing's happening to the ship. Um, the only exception is when they get blasted by the turbo laser. But by that point, like we're so far in that, like it, I've kind of already, I don't want to say lost interest, but like mm-hmm. I, the stakes have already disappeared. And then we have this kind of weird thing. Like, really? Like you can't see the ship that you, like the debris of a ship that's still intact, like right underneath you. That's also seems an unlikely and impractical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get this whole thing where like, you know, Shin and Mark are shooting at the da- the unshielded damaged T6, but seem to be doing a really good job of like only hitting Ahsoka's lightsabers, which also was a little finicky. Like those were basically the weakest lasers I've seen on a Starfighter ever. Like I, <laughs> that was my issue with the sequence is that it had all the appearances of a great dogfight with none of the actual impact that makes a dogfight interesting. I, I had one big issue when it came to the dogfight. It's great you had a rear ball turret, but there was nothing up front for forward shooting. Not even like, let's say, yeah. a ball turret on the actual fuselage of the Starfighter to where you have something pointing forward. You would think with wings like that, if you're talking like World War II, I mean, World War II fighters had either two, four, or six machine guns facing forward in wings, or at least something under the chin. Even the ghost had a gun under the chin, a chin-mounted gun. This only had a rear ball turret. There was nothing for them to shoot up front. So the front of the ship was so vulnerable, I don't understand why they just kept shooting the back of it. <laughs> yeah, it... I really... I like. I knew why you threw this to me, William, because I really wanted to like this sequence, and I ended up coming away... Uh, actually, this might be the most... I'm trying to think back. Uh, so Andor had its uh sequence which was obviously fantastic um mandalorian had i think it had the tie fighter and the pirate sequence which works pretty well uh just by have virtue of having like the uh the asteroid field and stuff like that this might be the most disappointed i think i've been in a starfighter sequence in star wars in i don't know like three to five years honestly mm. some it's it's been mm. a long time and i mm. i think they were close um but they really needed to to add some stakes or something that made it feel just a little bit more impactful. And I agree with you on that one because I I do agree. When you saw stuff happen in A New Hope, when to the Falcon or anything, they were always trying to constantly repair the ship to keep it running. Mm-hmm. And in this case, yeah, that, there really wasn't anything to make it just constantly and, fix this to keep it running. To, to be clear, I didn't need it the, the ship to be falling apart inside. I think in some ways that is a quirk of the Millennium Falcon. Right, like right. it is just that the ship is Good point. in disrepair. It, but I needed something on the inside that showed that like Ahsoka or Sabine were like concerned or that, the, you know, something might bad might happen to them or that uh, some sense of how the fight is progressing beyond like, ah, there are six enemy fighters. Now there are five enemy fighters. Now there are four enemy fighters. Like there was never... They never really felt like they were in danger, mm-hmm. even, even for some reason, even after their ship was disabled, 
next to the Eye of Sion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, honestly, it's it's a good point. I thought it was a it was a fun sequence, but you're right. It, it was in, it was flawed in in that respect. Um, I did I did really like the spacewalk sequence though. That was that was straight out of out of Clone Wars. With Ahsoka donning the spacesuit and mm-hmm. standing on top of the ship and like using her lightsabers to slice the ship into is it a little bit unrealistic? I'm getting that close, maybe, but I don't care. It was awesome, <laughs> you know. I, I, the scare that Ahsoka might have died was a little silly because we all know Ahsoka's not dying in Episode Three of her own show. But, um, you know, other than that, that was a that was a really cool sequence. Yeah, I do agree, and I I enjoyed seeing Ahsoka's suit. Like I thought that was a really neat kind of detail. Um, even it looked a little wonky at times, but. Yeah. yeah. Also, getting I, to see more of the Purgle. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I did enjoy the yeah, yeah. sequence. I thought that worked very well, mainly because we were away from the lasers that don't do damage and into mm-hmm. like some actually interesting flying. Oh, of course. Especially when they're going through the tentacles of the Purgle and just narrowly missing when they're closing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Was kind of hoping a couple extra ships would have been taken out during that process because that's what happens in the asteroid field when you watch A New Hope or, you know. That's true. Uh, I think by that yeah. point, they were down to like just i think it was just um i think it was just shin and uh and, and Mara. maraca that were but, left at that point right but also understand nothing really happened to their ships as well there wasn't yeah. any kind of damage done to them at least you would kind of hope within that little purgle flight sequence one of them could have taken some kind of damage to put even them in some kind mm-hmm. of peril Oh, see, that didn't bother me as much because their ships were very clearly like i said they were just flimsy little like they seem flimsier than TIE fighters, which mm-hmm. is saying a lot. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but TIE fighters at least exploded. Right. And yes, we we did we did get we did get the other four taken out. But at least it, it put it this way, Darth Vader even ended up getting uh damage mm-hmm. and at the end and flying away. So there was no damage to either of those ships. So they were never in peril. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I, I did I did find like the way the T6's wings spin around the cockpit to be really cool. Kind of reminds me of yep. a, a, a B wing, but you mm-hmm. know, style of thing. That's and I, like that's why I was frustrated because there was a lot here that I thought should have worked well, and it was just a couple of those pieces that were, you know, missing. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. Um, also, the, like the knowing look that Ahsoka and Sabine give each other when they see the Purgle was just because yep. they know mm-hmm. what they what they what the purgle represent they're like oh my gosh i haven't i haven't seen a purgle since uh ezra disappeared we're on the right track here we go yep. so yeah all all yeah, all like nice nice stuff i think at this point it sounds like the eye of scion is pretty much done right uh and i hope we they jump to the next to the new galaxy next week in the next episode and maybe it'll take a little bit while, or maybe next week will be all about leaving. But I hope we start heading to the new galaxy so we can. I mean, there's only what this episode three of eight, right? There's five episodes left. Maybe next week is a uh, getting ready to leave, and maybe they they sneak aboard the Eye of Scion or something, and then the other half the series is in another galaxy. I don't know, but I I hope we go soon and we don't delay too much yeah well, okay so let's let's throw this out there 
Do you think they're going to sneak aboard, or do you think they're going to end up being captured and taken aboard? Oh, that's true. It it could be either way. I yeah. Would, I would guess sneak aboard, given that the episode kind of ends with them hidden. Um, they're hidden, but also remember, uh, Balin did send out people to go find them in the forest, and we've already seen... We'd, and and we've seen in commercials that he does face Ahsoka. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen the commercials yet, Tom. I, so spoilers. Oh, I was uh, a little oh, bummed. Sorry, that, I didn't want to no, say that. Okay. I was a little bummed that Balin had like five seconds in this episode. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. As the coolest character, new character, I I would have loved to see a little bit more of him. But you know, I get it. Right this this episode was a much more it was a sh- very short episode compared to the other two but it was a much more contained and, and focused but also i don't know like at the end of the day right there was really three major sequences uh that's it pretty you know short maybe like 10 yeah. minutes per sequence something um mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know i i, I hope we get to see more balan well, I didn't get I much of well. Morgan the, as well. The but. other thing I'll mention, just because, Tom, you mentioned, you know, Balin sending people into the forest. That also is also reminiscent to me of uh, the Thrawn trilogy. Yes. Where uh, on Merker, I believe, um, Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker are trying to escape and have Imperial Stormtroopers following them. So I'm curious if we'll see some more uh, mm-hmm. allusions to Legends there in the next episode. Yeah. I hope so too. I hope so too. Oh, okay, but before we wrap up, I have to ask you guys a question, and this comes from something that my 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 wife mentioned to me afterward. Right? She's she's seen a little bit of Clone Wars and Rebels. She's not. Uh, she's I've shown her like the highlights, right, with Ahsoka and stuff. She's she hasn't seen the whole series end to end. Of course, she loves Mandalorian, and she's seen all the new shows on Disney Plus. But, um. One thing we discussed afterward was she 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 commented on how Ahsoka just seems very reserved and aloof. And mm-hmm. I think she's not wrong. I think it's true to a character for Ahsoka, as we saw in Rebels, right? She's gone through a lot. And so it's not I don't I don't think it's how Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka because she's pretty true to character in that regard. Yep. But I it made me reflect on how I I miss the younger Ahsoka, not like season one necessarily, but more like season five, season six Ahsoka, where she was she was fun, she was um you know she wasn't quite so reserved, she was a little bit older, right? But what do you guys think? Do you think is the new Ahsoka too? Or not the new Ahsoka is Ahsoka in this time period? I will say because even you know Rebels on. Is she too hard? Is it too hard for new viewers to get attached to her? I That's I think there may be something to it. I they've definitely it's got kind of sorry, I'm I'm fumbling my way through. <laughs> it's this okay. It's a, it's it's mm-hmm. a, it, yeah, it's it's, it's it's an interesting question. I had to kind of think through. I'm like, I, I love Ahsoka. I'll just give you a second mm-hmm. to, to put together your thoughts. I love Ahsoka as a character. I, she's she's amazing. One of the best characters in Star Wars. We've grown up with her, right? Um, and and so we have all that attachment to her. And in Rebels, right, we were so excited to see her back and see what's going on. She's a little more reserved. And I'd say she's slightly even more reserved now. And there's all this mystery of the backstory. As fans, I think we love it. As an, a new viewer who has no idea of 
who Ahsoka is, or maybe has seen a little bit of her. I don't know. Is it harder to get attached to her? I, I, I don't know. I, honestly, I think the answer is yes. I do think it's reminiscent of, um, I almost want to call it like a ward bait to some degree. Like that's not quite right, but it is this assumption that Ahsoka has to be drama and, you know, like this higher level of entertainment because it's live action. Um, and I think Andor is a good example of like, no, that like that is the tone of the show and that fits perfectly. If Andor, you know, acted uh, like, you know, Ahsoka from Clone Wars, if we had that level of uh, dialogue and I'm, I'm going to use the word fun, but I don't think it's the right word. I think that would be the wrong tone for the show. Um, I do think they're trying, they're aiming for that deeper uh, feeling in Ahsoka, where it, there there's drama to it, et cetera, et cetera, like whatever you want, however you want to describe it. And I'm not, I'm not sure that's, I don't think it's bad necessarily. I do hope they lift it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it is important that we get there. Is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think, I think for new viewers right now, th- this is the only Ahsoka that they know. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be difficult for them to see. And it, well, it's difficult for us to kind of see this one now because we've seen her grow. We've seen her have that that playfulness to her. And, and this point, because of everything she's been through and realization that that her master is, you know, was one of the major villains of the galaxy. She has to come to turn to that. Maybe that's one of the reasons why she's a little bit closed off because oh, for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. Cause, cause also it's like how many people out there really know that she is, was the Padawan to like one of the most villainous villains in the galaxy. Yeah. And maybe it's one of those things where it's like you, it, it's almost, let's say it's called a defense thing for her right now to where it's going to be hard for her to open it up. And Maybe that's how they're trying to explain the character at this point. If she opens up later, which we hope she does, uh, I'd like to see it. But I can I can take this reserve that she is portraying as that's the character it is now. The character has grown from when we've seen her from the Clone Wars to Rebels to now. So this is basically just another way the character is at this point because of everything she's been through. Yeah. No, you're 100% correct. I think yeah. it, it it makes sense for her, her where she is at, given her history. Yes. And and again, it's not Rosario Dawson, because it, it is very consistent with even how Ashley Eckstein played Ahsoka in Rebels, right? Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with that. It is it is just a, okay, it makes sense from a canon standpoint. But for a new you viewer, is it someone you'd be like, oh, she's a great character? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's really hard to get attached to her right now as a new character, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I don't want it to be that. I love Ahsoka, <laughs> but you know, well, yeah. I think at this point it's going to be interesting to see for the people who are coming into the show for the first time, who they are going to attach to, because right now the three characters that we've seen mostly are Ahsoka Sabine and Hu Yang, and then also the villains. So, now it's going to be interesting to see. We know as Star Wars fans who we gravitate to. It's going to be Ahsoka. It's going to be Sabine. 
and it's going to be Hera. But for people coming into the series for the first time, I'd like to see, you know, who are they grabbing onto? Who do they find fascinating? Who do they think are the most interesting characters in this series so far? And then you can say, okay, I can understand that and and give it time. And maybe at this point, the main character, Ahsoka, will end up being your favorite too because we know where she's come from and this show is going to see her basically grow more. And, and maybe maybe that's what's going to happen now. This episode may start slowly breaking her out of this reserve that she is at this point. Maybe we could get a little bit of the old Ahsoka back. I mean, we're only how many episodes in right now? Yeah. We don't know what's going to affect her going forward. I, I hope it does just soften a little bit. And yeah, I think it, I think I, it I will happen. That. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting for sure. I'm, I'm at least glad, you know, Disney seems to be seeing some great success with Ahsoka for now. So, hey, love it. Uh, I, I just hope it continues to grow with word of mouth. And yeah, this, this is just such a good show. It's so enjoyable to have it have it on the air and yeah i'm excited to see where they go next we're going to another galaxy guys i can't wait yeah i I hope it happens in the next episode me too (laughs) yeah uh okay so if you had to give it a rating which you do what would you rate this episode steven go first i was worried you were gonna say that sorry um so I'm uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit while I'm thinking this through and kind of verbalize it. This episode really was three distinct pieces. We had the Sabine training sequence, Hera's conversation with the New Republic, and then the attack, uh, the like fighter battle, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there's not much intermixing. Like you can literally like think of them as three distinct scenes. Um, the training sequence really enjoyed. That was probably like a nine out of ten for me. The stuff with Hera probably. I'm like going between like a six and a seven. So maybe like a six and a half. And I think even the the space battle, as weird as it is for me to say, it was probably like maybe a six and a half as well. I think I'm going to give this episode a seven, maybe 7.5. Um, I'll, I'll do 7.5. Um, I take that back. I'm going to do seven. Sorry. I'm debating at like, like I said, anyway, I'm thinking <laughs> as I'm going, it's all live. It's fine. Uh, I'll give it a seven out of 10. I, I enjoyed the episode. Like I didn't regret watching it. It was a little on the short side, but that's okay. Um, I thought they at least, you know, continued the story. Like I felt like we were getting through the, all the right pieces. I just really wished, uh, like the New Republic stuff is just always going to bother me a little bit. Like that's that's maybe a personal thing for me. Um, and the fighter sequence, I just really wanted that a little bit more. Um, and I think I ended up being a little. Uh, it like I'm curious what you both will say. I expect the fighter sequence was like an eight. But for me personally, it was so close to being what I wanted that I actually needed to like knock it a little bit more because it made it that much more painful to miss. So I'm gonna give it seven out of ten. And my seven womp rats. I mean, we we were talking about how Ahsoka's ship just never takes any damage. Uh, that's because she has a team of seven womp rats that are just the best engineers in the galaxy. Like there's just there's no match. Uh, like shields boosted to like a thousand percent. Just not not even an issue. Easy going. You know, un- until you hit the turbo lasers that, that's a little bit more problematic but there you go you took my womp rat thing you t- steven you know what well i'm i'm sorry tom what would you rate the episode why don't you go next i'm putting you on the spot oh, like you always put me, put on, me the on the spot. spot i know which i deserve that one i 
I I am so mixed emotioned on this on this episode. I I sat here and I'm like, I'm with you, Stephen. I'm like, I was going back and forth with like a seven, a seven point five. There's stuff I really like. There's stuff, you know, that that you're like, okay. I, I I'm just I'm gonna give it a seven, like like you're giving it. It was a good episode. There were things about it I really liked. And then there was a couple things, you know, as I mentioned in the show, that kind of bothered me. But I think factoring that all in, I think a seven is a good score. I'm really looking forward to the next episode. I think by way of the time of the episode, I think this was perfect. Could have been a tad shorter. I don't think it could have survived if it was longer. Um, But I think this was for the episode. It was it was a seven perfectly timed episode. So now that Steven took my seven Wamprats, being the guys who actually kept the ship flying, which that's what I was going to do, my seven Wamprats actually are on the planet of Deneb, and they are actually going to be the ones that are going to be out front of the ship as, let's say, the um, uh, protectors of the ship to make sure that the droids that are hunting them don't get close enough. Although we do probably will find out in the next episode, that didn't work out because Ahsoka and Sabine will probably be found. And, you know, the, the Womp Rats were there to make sure that they stalled them enough so Ahsoka and Sabine had at least, you know, some kind of warning they were coming. But, yeah, I'm giving it a seven. So, William, what are you doing? Yeah, this is... A, uh, yeah, I was torn on this episode as well. It, I was, in some ways... So, the the most exciting thing about this episode, I think, is... Or this the, the series, is how... Uh, aside from just seeing them in live action, right, is is how they're going to go after Thrawn. They're going to go find Ezra. They're going to another galaxy, right? So exciting, so cool. And so from that standpoint, it felt like this episode didn't really move the overarching plot along a lot. I, I the Most of the revelations that the characters discovered were things we already learned in the first two episodes. And so in that sense, it felt like the characters were kind of catching up to what we as viewers already knew about you know, oh, this ship is going to go to another galaxy and, and and all that stuff. And that's okay, right? And it gave us a nice opportunity to slow down a little bit and to dive into the Force, which I I loved seeing them dive into the Force and and, and get more uh, nuance there and, and spend time training. And we got some nice cameos from Resistance and from, uh, you know, Jason Sindula, who we were hoping we would see um, and the dogfight is was was I still enjoyed it, right? There were some cool moments uh, in the in the dogfight, uh, and you know it's fun to see how the New Republic works and see Mon Mothma. So I liked a lot of it, but it also kind of felt like it was the calm before the storm in many ways, or it was just moving all the pieces into place. Um, and so I hope that means the rest of the the season is accelerated but in the meantime um you know i i think i give this particular episode seven and a half womp rats out of ten and these womp rats are they're used to feed the purgle on uh on Cetos. um you know the morgan elsbeth she knows the purgle need to eat and so she gives them the womp rats i don't know how seven and a half womp rats feed the massive purgle but they do but it's a special moment you know? it is yeah and I, I, I'm so excited to see where they take this next. Also, I have to come out comment on some of the detail 
like the the water that forms on the outside of the ship's cockpits when they come into the surface. Uh, yes, uh, I've got to mention that. So great! I love that detail. Like, ah. The the other one I really appreciate it is Shin uh, in her fighter has the kind of like Jedi starfighter style headband mm. that yes. has in episode three. Yeah, I noticed that too. Which very reminiscent and follows, I think, from Balin being a, a Jedi from yeah the original order mm-hmm. which i i wonder if we'll see more of but yeah, yeah. there's lots cool of stuff. good details there's a lot of good stuff in the episode even for some of the other issues i have yeah. with it yeah i'd say overall yeah. the episode is is very good right very enjoyable worth wa- worth watching i wouldn't say it's the greatest but that's okay there's a lot more ahsoka to come not everything has to be the greatest it's still very enjoyable yep so yeah i think with that we will wrap things up for this week. I think the biggest question on our mind still is who's Marok, right? Still don't know who, yeah. who Marok is, but that will be a discussion for another day. In the meantime, that that's uh, that's it for us this week for Ahsoka Part 3. Next week, we'll be reviewing Part 4, the midway point of the season. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week with another review of Ahsoka. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.